I believe just about everybody here knows that I ride a bicycle to work. And you know that bicycles need maintenance. I don't know if you know that, but they need maintenance. And uh, what happens is, especially around here, is that sand gets into everything. And you ride a bicycle, you don't even know there's, there's sand. There's sand on the sidewalks. There's sand everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. It's going to come up. It's going to get in your, in your bike. And what happens is it gets in places where you wouldn't even think that you could even get sand into. It gets inside of the pedals themselves. I'm talking about in there where, the, where everything's turning. You say, how does it get in there? I don't know how it gets in there, but it gets down, down in there. And when it does, it acts like an abrasive and it starts to wear out the bearings that are in there. And so a few weeks weeks ago I was having trouble with my pedals making a kind of noise all the way as I was going because they had just flat worn out. So I had to change the pedals on my bicycle. Now the thing about it is is that I bought that bicycle. I bought it new back in 2016. I had never ever changed the pedals on it before. So at first I tried to cheap it. You know me. I tried to go cheap and get some cheap pedals and then realized that was not going to work. One, they, they wouldn't even fit for one thing, and they were just not the right kind of pedals. And so I, I said, I went and bought some from REI over here, and there were some decent pedals, at least at this point. But there was one big problem. I couldn't get the old pedals off. You see, and so I go over to REI, and they said, have you tried this stuff called T9? It's a penetrating oil. So I put that penetrating oil on it and I let it set overnight and guess what happened? Not a thing. That's what happened to me, not a thing. And so the next day I got on YouTube. You know, if you don't know how to do it, you go to YouTube. That's what I did. I went to YouTube, got on YouTube. I watched several people tell me how to take those things off. I tried each way and still I could not get those pedals off. I finally saw a guy, though, and what he said, I found a method for getting pedals off. He says, what you do is, is that you get on your bike, you set your wrench, you get on your bike, and then you, 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 you set your brakes so that your brakes are holding your, your tire uh, steady and it won't move, and then you use your foot to push on that uh, wrench. And guess what? It came right off. It was so easy. It was amazing to me. You know, it's one of those things that when you know how to do it, it's easy, isn't it? But when you don't know how to do it, it's not so easy. Have you ever watched something on TV and, you know, watched a magic trick or something and they said, how did he do that? You know, and you don't know what that is. But I had to watch several videos before I found out how to do this, how to take that that, uh, pedal off with that wrench. Now, here's the situation, folks. Jesus has, on Monday, cursed a fig tree because it had no fruit on it. On Tuesday, they walk up and they see that this fig tree is dead. You understand? And you know what the disciples said? How'd you do that? How'd you do that? Does that make sense to you? And this is, now remember, Jesus is now just a couple of days before he's going to be crucified. And he uses this moment as a moment of teaching. You know, he could easily said, don't worry with a fig tree. Don't worry about how that happened. He used something that, you know, if you're the last words you're going to say, they're going to be significant, I think. 
And so he used this. So let me read this out of, it's out of Mark chapter 11, verse 23. He said to them, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Okay. He's saying to us, essentially, if you got a mountain, a mountain is any type of what you call an insurmountable problem. That's what it is. This was a metaphor that they used for any type of insurmountable problem. I will say to you the first thing you need to do if you're going to have a mountain that is going to be removed is that you need to identify that mountain. You need to know what that mountain is. You see, sometimes people only know the symptom of the of the mountain and not the mountain itself. Let's say the symptom is stress. You see, if you think that you're, uh, your mountain is stress, you're going to try to get rid of your stress. But That may not be your mountain. Your mountain may be that the reason you're under stress is because you always have last minute preparations or maybe no preparations at all. Maybe your stress is because you're always in conflict uh, with someone or others. Maybe your stress, it could be even just poor spending habits or something like that where you're getting a stress from bills and such that's going on. But see, if you cannot address the mountain until you cannot address the mountain until the mountain is identified. That's the story there. You've got to be able to address the mountain. You see, it's like the culprit in a crime. You know that a crime is being committed, but you can't do anything until you can figure out who did it. You've got to be able to identify the person who did it. It's, you know, it was sort of like a problem that I had one time. I had a leaking oil. I bought my daughter a a used blazer back, you know, Chevy blazer back, oh gosh, in the 90s sometime when she got her driver's license. I helped her buy it. Her, her grandfather bought half of it. Anyway, but the, the story is, is that I uh, helped her buy, buy this thing, and it was leaking oil. So I went to a mechanic, and I said, the rear seal on this thing, which is a major thing, let me tell you, the, me, uh, the rear seal is leaking on this, and I told the mechanic, replace that rear seal. And so the mechanic worked on it, charged me about 300 bucks, I think, on it, and said, you know, he'd replace that rear seal. And I drove it off, and a couple of days later, I noticed a big pile of oil under, under that thing. And I went, oh, my goodness, the rear seal wasn't leaking. I went to a different mechanic because that mechanic couldn't have been any good, you know. And he said, it's leaking out of the distributor cap. I said, how much will that cost? 80 bucks. Well, see, if I hadn't told him what the problem was in the first place, he wouldn't have replaced the, the thing that wasn't broken in the first place either. And what I did was, is I, I, I didn't identify what the problem really was. You see, you've got to be able to identify that problem so that you can be able to address that problem. Sometimes we call the symptom the mountain when it isn't. Marriage problems usually are not the mountain. Money problems are usually not the mountain. Weight problems are not usually the mountain. An unfaithful spouse might be a mountain. I could say that. A desire to please everyone by trying to buy things for uh, people might be the mountain. And an uncontrollable urge to eat 
could be the mountain. You understand what I'm trying to say to you? So you have to identify that mountain first. Then secondly, decide what to do with the mountain. Decide what's going to happen to that mountain. You see, Jesus said, tell it to be thrown into the, into the sea. See, mountains, if they're truly problems, need to be eliminated. Most people just want to get their mountain under control. They don't really want to eliminate their mountain. See, your mountain will remain insurmountable as long as you live with it. It is a drastic thing to throw something into the sea. Somehow, for some reason, sometimes we don't think we can live without our mountain. If your mountain is overspending, you can do something about it. You can leave your credit cards at home for one thing, and then you can't be caught in the moment spending. You can, if you don't have the cash in your pocket, you just simply don't, you can't uh, uh, buy it. You've got to walk away from every new credit card offer. Yes, those are kinds of things that you can do something about. And when you can do something, you must do something about your mountain. A mountain, though, is insurmountable. You don't think that you're going to be able to do it. And so you, you have this mountain that is so big that you don't know how to eliminate that mountain. So Jesus tells us that faith moves mountains. Faith moves mountains. Faith is praying for the mountain to be removed. Failure to pray is having no faith that God can remove the mountain. Can God remove your mountain? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I, in a, a sermon illustration, I, I told you that next time you have something that's really, you know, insurmountable, you need to go to the mirror, look in the mirror and say, the problem I got, it's so big that Jesus, even you can't handle it. And then you ought to laugh and be ashamed because that's really what the truth is. He can handle it. He can handle it. You remember when Paul prayed for his, his uh, thorn in the flesh to be removed? He thought it was a mountain. He thought it was a mountain. And what did God tell him? You're going to get to keep that because it's helpful for you. It's not a mountain. It's an asset for you. And so God would not remove what Paul thought was a mountain. And later, Paul would say, I am stronger because of it. But you pray. You pray until you hear from God. And you pray and you and, and you take it, whatever it is. You receive God's word as an act of faith. It doesn't matter whether God says, yes, I'm going to remove this mountain or no. It's, it's good for you to keep this thing. But believing is in receiving God's word. Receive that word from him, whatever it might be. It might be good. It might be what you think was bad. But it doesn't matter. You, you receive it regardless. You see, this is not magic. This is not spectacular. There's no lights in the sky that light off and, and everything when you go and pray and you get some answer from God and the stars spell out the, uh, the meaning that uh, God wants you to have. It's none of that. It's not a formula that we have. It is that time when you come to this peace that passes all understanding. That's when you know what God has told you. And it might be, you know what? I'm not going to let this cup pass from you. You're going to have to drink out of this cup. But it is, it is what God wants. It was what God wants you to have. There was a lady that came forward in a church I served in. Her nephew had an inoperable brain tumor. And she came 
I mean, it was, I don't remember what the occasion was, but she came to the front and she uh, got the microphone. I don't know how that was that happened. I think it was on a Sunday night. And she says, uh, God has told me that my nephew is going to grow up to be a godly man. And I thought, this ain't going to happen. And I wanted to say, get off of there. You can't start telling people this kind of stuff. He's got an inoperable brain tumor. What part of inoperable do you not understand? And guess what happened? When they were doing the biopsy, because I was there at the hospital, the doctor said he just started to take a little bit of the tumor and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And he said, eventually, I heard the doctor came up and I got it all. And I thought, no, that couldn't be there. I was there at the hospital. I said, no, that couldn't be what happened. Next day I go, because I want to see the MRI myself. You know, I don't want to see what's going on there. And guess what happened? It was gone. The doctor printed out with one of those, you know, those, remember when you used to dot matrix deals and you put all the pages together and all that? Thing? It was no tumor. It had all the way across the hospital room. And it was amazing that it was there. You see, what happened was there was a mountain there. And that aunt went to the Lord and said, let's throw that mountain into the sea. And that mountain was removed. But Jesus brings up something very peculiar right here at this. He talks about forgiveness. And I wondered if, you know, here's the thing. It might be easier to kill a fig tree than it is to forgive somebody. Think about that. Maybe your mountain is your inability to forgive someone. Think about that for a moment. See, what most people think is, is that I don't really have to forgive them. All I have to do is tolerate them. That's what really happens most of the time. And you think sometimes if I can just leave, if I can just ignore them or, or maybe that I can keep the, even the thought of them out of my mind and then I, it will be just as good as forgiveness. But then something will come up for whatever reason. I do not understand how this happens, but the something will come up that will remind you what they did to you, how they hurt you. Let me tell you how this works. And what do you do? You rehearse what they have done to you. You rehearse it in your mind. You go through it again. They shouldn't have done that to me. How can they have hurt me like this? And, and guess what you realize? I haven't forgiven them. Unforgiveness is like a cancer that will consume you. Jesus' blood on the cross gave enough forgiveness for you that Anything that will happen to you, you have the forgiveness to give to them. Do you realize this? Jesus carried the sin that was against you on his cross too. Not just the sins that you've committed, but the sins that somebody did to you. That was carried on the cross too. The nails pounded into his hands and his feet were part of the sacrifice that was necessary for that sin, too. The suffering on the cross was part of that sacrifice for that sin, too. The death that he suffered for us was, part, was the sacrifice for that sin against you, as well as the ones that you have committed against him or anybody else. And the forgiveness that you have received for all that you, uh, you have done, and all that has been done to you was done to forgive all of those sins. 
The sin that you must forgive was paid for at the death of Christ. Forgiveness for the sins against you were given to you to give to that person who sinned against you. Think of that just for a moment. Because if you don't give that forgiveness, you haven't received that forgiveness in the first place. I was uh, a few, several years ago, many years ago, I got a contact from a family to pay for the funeral of one of the church members, for me to pay for him. And I said, I can't pay. It was like $12,000 or something like that. I can't remember what it was exactly. It was about $12,000. And I said, I can't pay for that, that funeral. I, I'm, I'm sorry, you know. I mean, she was a great church member, but I mean, I loved her. But you know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't pay for this out of my pocket. And they said, this is the craziest thing. They said, sure you can. She put you on her bank account. I said, I, What? And I, so I went down to the bank, and guess what? She put me on her bank account. I wrote a check out of her account that I didn't even know that I was on the bank account for to pay for her funeral. I could pay the bill because it had been already given to me. Not given to me in the sense because I didn't get anything out of it. But here's the situation, folks. If you know Jesus... He's put you on his bank account of forgiveness. You can write the check. You got it. You can forgive. And this might be the best Easter that you've ever had if you will forgive. Could I get everyone to stand and we'll close with this.